Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Alton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algema to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. It's so warm. Uh, it's okay. It's okay here. Yeah, we've kind of had a break from the the relentless summer weather, so I'm doing okay. It's still quite warm up up in the uh, the podcast penthouse, or as it's known in my house, the top floor. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's still quite warm up here, but um, yeah, it's been it's been all right. It's been okay. What about you? I know what you mean. It's got a bit cooler, but I I reserve the right to complain about the heat all throughout summer. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you've got to, right? It's part of the part of the process. If you're not complaining about something in the summer, then are you really German? Um, the first thing I've got on our running order for today is mm -hmm. Dilly fights an eight-year-old for a seat on Deutsche Bahn, and. You didn't give me any information, and that's what I wrote on the running order. And I've been desperate since you told me yesterday that you had challenged an eight-year-old <laughs> for their seat. So, so, so please do tell me the story of you fighting an eight-year-old. This is me deserving my German citizenship to some extent, and I'm quite proud of it. I was on the train. I, you know, when you, for some reason, you need to reserve a seat, although you've bought a ticket. So, mm -hmm. if you buy a ticket, the train still gives you the the opportunity to stand yeah so i got there and there was this like you know four seats two you know they're facing each other there's a little table in the middle and who do we have but a kid who's very comfortable in two seats um he's somehow got his limbs lower limbs on his seat on the next one you know sort mm -hmm. of like a cat yeah. And um, I stare at him, he stares back at me and I look at his father, his father looks at him and then words are exchanged in multiple, well, two languages. I speak to the father, um, then the child moves to the window seat and you know what you don't do? You don't take away my window seat, Nick. <laughs> Would you book the, you book the window seat? Mm-hmm. All right, so you're not settling for second best. There's no compromising from Dilly here. You're like, this is my seat and I'm having it. It's my seat and I will have it. And then I said, no, you, you need to switch. And then his father looked at me and I looked at his father. And uh, yeah, words were exchanged in a language I did not understand. And that was probably for the best. So, <laughs> Oh, dear me. It sounds like a real standoff. It was a standoff. You know, I feared for my life and that sort of thing. And then when I finally did sit down in my seat, I saw three older women in the next seat watching the little uh, fisticuffs. And I felt like a proper idiot for taking away the window seat from an eight-year-old. I don't know. I mean, like, I think that's what my parents would have done with me. I think I'd probably consider it with my kids. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, what what lesson? What lesson's being taught here is the hmm. lesson I get what I want all the time because I'm a little kid. Well, that's a freaking terrible lesson. But then I get what I want all the time too, don't I? Because I'm an adult and I can engineer it. Well, last time I checked, sort of adults are the ones in charge. So I don't get I don't get what the problem is. Like you're meant to respect your elders. Or at least you're meant to like Hi just... Sri Lankan. No, but it's true, right? I mean, like little, little, like arsy little kids. I see them all the time. Like little cheeky little kids who just 
did like and the parents like oh oh Mateus is so funny and i'm like yeah Mateus is getting kicked off the balcony but like it, it's like that attitude <laughs> stinks you're just raising you're just raising little bellends and there's already enough bellends in the world right there's already enough pricks in the world uh, the kids were very nice although his brother at some point wrapped himself around my feet and lower legs and then looked up at me from under the table and his father couldn't see under the table and i didn't have a way of telling him that his son is around my legs so <laughs> yeah well i mean i guess in that instance it's kind though. of you just got to live with that right but i think there's an element within sort of germany where it's kind of oh just kids just have to be kids and you just have to let them get on with it and it's perfectly reasonable blah 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 and i'm like no like perhaps just teach your kids some some basic manners and teach them how to act in public and like act like they've got some sense <laughs> and it saves like it's happened it happened last week with my wife she mm -hmm. was at the lake and uh, it was a weekday and there's like a few people about and there's two kids in the water and they're kind of pissing about and then they start like getting sticks and splashing other kids and other people like trying to get a reaction out of people mm -hmm. and there's no parents around that anyone can sort of speak to about it no one seems to they don't seem to belong to anyone and there was like a, a dad eventually went over and like let try to talk to them and try to get them to stop and they wouldn't stop and eventually he, uh, he grabbed one of them by the arm and like shouted at him. And I didn't really agree with the idea of grabbing some random child by the arm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, how do you get to a point where your kids are acting like that? You know, mm -hmm. like it could happen, like kids act out, but it also, there's like no fear of like anyone else or anybody or anybody's reaction mm -hmm. or how anybody might see it or think about it. Like there's no consideration for that. And I think I don't want my kids like misbehaving when they should be behaving. I mean, I'm sure they will do, but like, I don't know. I think you've got to instill some kind of sense of how you behave in public and how you should act. And if somebody's booked a seat and it's the window seat and you're sitting in it, then I would tell my kid to move Yeah, and I wouldn't make it a thing because it's not, we're not raising a generation of kind of entitlement yeah like i mean th that's the thing isn't it a lot of people like to go oh the the gen z are all entitled and i'm like i don't think they are mm -hmm. i think some of them are but i think loads of kids in the 80s were dead entitled i went to school with loads of them they were fucking pricks like this idea that somehow kids in the 80s are tougher and more streetwise no. like the kids in the 80s were getting shit from the generation that were born in the the post-war mm -hmm. the boomers and and I'm sure the boomers were getting shit from their parents for not having fought in two world wars. Yeah. So it's like, it's just never ending. But I'm like, I do think it's a case where it's parent first. And I don't think it's a problem if you kick a kid out of your seat that you've booked. Like you've paid for it. You've booked it. You've done the work. I'd be more angry at the parent. I did justify myself there. I felt quite comfortable when I sat down and I mean, I paid for the seat. There were also other empty seats, but then I had no way of knowing. Uh, I mean, why would I be the one to move when I paid for that seat? But that's the first time I've asked someone to move. And I started with an eight-year-old. I mean, you gotta you got to build up, right? you got to build the <laughs> tolerance for it. So you got to start as the younger and build up to the older. I don't know. I mean, I don't book seats on Deutsche Bahn anymore. I just find it kind of pointless. Mm. 
and I don't like the. I just don't. I don't want the conversation. There's, ultimately, I don't want the conversation because it isn't really much of a conversation. I walk over and I go, "That's my seat." And people yeah. get out of my seat because I'm six foot three. <laughs> I'm big, so people <laughs> just go, "Oh, okay." And I mean, they don't like it, but like tough. Yeah. But most of the time, I don't really book seats if I don't. If, it, if it's not long, a long trip, then if it's a couple of hours, then yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do what I always do and go to the go to the restaurant car. And drink some beers and sit and look out the window. And that's what my strategy always is, which is a much more relaxing way of doing it. I, I kind of prefer it. It's quieter. Yeah. There's beer mm -hmm. and there's less squawking people on their phones, which I hate. That's true. But if you don't have a dining car, you're a bit shafted on that front. Yeah. Speaking of beer, guess where I was at the weekend? Enlighten me, Nick. Where were you at the weekend? I went to the Gouch. <laughs> I tried to look this up. Who or what is Gouch? Gouch is the local um, Volksfest, ah, effectively. Okay. And it's it's the word Goucher is like to dunk somebody. It comes from a, a like a, a ceremony that's performed uh, when a apprentice printer passes their final exam mm -hmm. and they get dunked in a, a vat of water. There was no vats of water, but there was plentiful beers on on show. And it was also good as well because it was the 150th anniversary of the Freiwilliger Feuerwehr, the voluntary firefighting brigade in the town I live in. And so you had on Sunday, like the, the really quite epic sight of like a big parade by the Feuerwehr, by the fire brigade. But then you had all the different fire brigades from all the different areas came and celebrated in the beer tent. And it was mad. It was a mad vibe, like. I don't know, maybe maybe Simon will get this more than you might, Dilly, but I'm sure you've had sort of applicable experiences. But it, I walked in the tent and the first thing that hit us was how much it was like a working class or working men's social club in the northeast of England. It was like that vibe, mm -hmm. like the, all the different characters that you could see, like all these like different, and there were characters, you know, and there were sort of, boisterous and loud and laughing and the music was was a typical kind of social club band playing like 70s hits and sort of early 80s hits and it was like uh, the band themselves were probably a cumulative age of like 250 or something <laughs> really old and it was like a real it was a real shock to the system because i was like whoa i wasn't expecting that to be the the sense or the vibe I also realized something about Volksfests. Mm -hmm. The noise the tent makes is different depending on the type of Volksfest you go to. So like the Plera, they have an Augsburg where it's the whole city. Mm -hmm. the, the noise is lots of separate, separate groups of people having conversations. The gouch sounded like everyone having a conversation with everyone, which is hard to describe. But the vibe was totally different. The community feeling was totally different. Mm -hmm. And it was wicked. It was really good. Nice. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Did you meet like-minded people? Uh, we sort of met some people. We didn't meet anybody that we knew. Yeah. We sort of chatting to people. Um, they had like a big wheel and my wife and my daughter went on the big wheel. Nice. And just the feeling of it. It was a really hot day, really sunny day. Yeah. Sort of afternoon. Everyone's having a good time. It was just a nice vibe. I drank a mass. And uh, and just had a good. They wouldn't sell me anything less than a mass. Okay. I was like, can I have a halber? Yeah. 
like a like a, a half a liter. Yeah. And the woman that. the woman looked at me like I'd sort of insulted her and she went, We only sell masses here. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> like fine by me. Um and so I had the mass and it was really nice. It was mm-hmm. really good. And that's what I did on the Sunday. Um but on the Saturday I was in Nuremberg and I saw former co-host Simon. He's doing very well. Nice. He says hello to all of us and to all the listeners. Hi Simon. And um and I had some pierogi, which was nice too. What was the feeling? Um Hackfleisch. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it was really, really good. So I had a really good time yeah. uh, over the weekend. Very action-packed. Very action-packed. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, one last thing. Got some quite terrifying information this morning when I was reading Süddeutsche Zeitung. Yeah. And apparently Bayern's going to be struck with more hornets this year than any year beforehand. Do you know why? <laughs> and I was like, um, I think it's to do with the weather and I think it's to do with uh, a lot of like the generally sort of climate issues. But um, I was sort of laughing because I had noticed there was a lot more of them flying around. Like I'd seen them and I got a bit sort of concerned because they're fucking really big. They the are. hornets are massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're also protected animals, so you can't just go around killing yeah. them or destroying yeah. their nests and stuff. And they live in big, really big colonies as well. Um, I'd learned from the article that they can live in colonies of up to 400 between 400 and 700 insects mm-hmm. which is not great um but they, they generally leave people alone but there's just going to be a lot more of them knocking around in bavaria over the summer so i'm gonna get my tin helmet out just in case you'll be all right in saxony anholt you'll be fine i will be fine um, at least at least from the hornets <laughs> yeah i have the occasional bee and other insects that i haven't quite identified yet on my balcony I have poppies, uh, fire beans, uh, daisies, and my beloved zucchinis. And they attract the insect crowd, yeah. do they? I also have aphids, which I'm not particularly fond of. But then I watched a very eco-loving guy on Instagram. And mm. so now I don't have the heart to kill the aphids. But since I have a balcony and not a garden, I also don't have enough birds that come and eat the aphids. And I don't have ladybugs. But. I keep it very separate to everything else. Yeah, I mean, aphids are the, the enemy of, of the urban garden, aren't they? Aye. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, you need to get some ladybirds. I get some pretty interesting insect up here in the uh, the top floor because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave the light on yeah. and you'll get a lot of like weird, just weird looking insects yeah. that I'd never seen before. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, is, that, does that, is that dangerous? Maybe I'll leave it alone. A lot of moths. Yeah. I don't like moths. I'm not a fan of moths. No, so. it's that time of the year when there are so many moths and you have to have like moth traps everywhere. Well, that was what I was thinking. It's like, do I need to get nets for the window? And I'm like, seems a lot of faff on. It's the it's the um, the mosquitoes that I'm more concerned about. Yeah. And also like, a, I mean, the German in me is like, how will I ventilate if exactly. I have like net fixed everywhere? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the heat before. And it's certainly something that is of a concern to to you and me just for comfort purposes. But um, did you hear about the announcement from Karl Lauterbach that they're going to use the heat protection measures this this summer potentially for the first time? I did read about it. Um, They seem to be very keen on addressing things that are the result of climate change without actually addressing climate change. We can't do, we can't change anything. That would be um, 
You can't, you can't like introduce new measures that'll freak people out, right? <laughs> Don't freak people out. Is the heat not freaking enough people out? It's really intense. It's much more intense than it than I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's only June. I know exactly. It's only June. I mean, August it usually gets quite wet in, yeah. in Bavaria, so I'm sort of expecting it to shift some point in July. It's probably the hottest it's going to be right now. Yeah. But um, the the federal health minister Karl Lauterbach announced this weekend that they're looking into using the new uh, heat protection ideas or, or plan for this summer and you can already access the hitservice.de website which gives you information about sort of what measures are in place to sort of better your heat protection and also there's been some advice for like nursing homes and doctors and medical professions and the states and social organizations all involved in like measuring this and what it does is interestingly is what they want to do is be able to predict when a heat wave is coming yeah so they can warn people because obviously for people like yourself and, and myself and simon well maybe simon's a bit more he's he's not getting into his dotage right so maybe maybe he needs this information more than most yeah that was a that was a swear word for sure mouthed at me <laughs> by the lovely producer simon um probably deserved it so yeah the the that kind of information is going to be going to be fairly useful because it it does look like it's it's i mean it is very dangerous for for certainly for older people and there's going to be warnings on tv and and, and on the radio and even potentially by text message as well but they did they did this in britain actually earlier in the year uh, like a couple of weeks ago and it's like a good idea just going like it's going to be really hot maybe have a drink of water maybe consider not sitting in the sun but of course, like the sort of right wing media got very upset and went, why is the nanny state telling me what to do? And then there was like, of course it did. Well, yeah, I, was, I, was, I watched one thing with, um, I forget what the name of, of the journalist, say journalist in inverted commas, um, talking head said, and she was like, why are they telling me what to do? And the scientist went, well, actually, they're telling other people what to do. This is actually nothing to do with you. Like, there's no reason for you to get offended. <laughs> Like it's actually for for people in their seventies and eighties who need to worry about the heat, yeah, uh, and babies, not sort of very wealthy TV presenters. <laughs> so um, we'll probably see the same sort of shtick here, I imagine. Yeah, it does beg the question though: how do you how do you beat the heat? Are you asking me? Well, I've got some um, information, but I am curious as to what what do you do? Do you do anything particular? Yes. Are you like putting your your pants in the uh, in the freezer or something like that? I wear very light clothing, light cotton short dresses and skirts and things. And um, I wear sandals, Birkenstock. Ooh, fancy. Very, that's me. Uh, because, I mean, I can't wear shoes in this heat because you're, and then it's just too hot there. And I like cutting up peaches, nectarines, grapes and stuff and just freezing them. Oh, that's a good idea. And then you have like fruit ice. I mean, if I liked fruit, I would do that. You do but, not I mean, like... Maybe, well, I mean, we've had this conversation before. You like, don't like we, any you, fruit? I, 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 honestly, I honestly feel like, Dilly, that, that like you're, you, you, you erase your memory after every podcast and then come back shocked at the things I say that I've already told you. And now I don't like fruit. Hey, oranges, they can go to hell. Apples are all right. Grapes are okay. Strawberries are all right. Blueberries are okay. Blackcurrants? Like, meh, can live without them. What? Jam, they're quite nice. Jam? In jam, yeah, uh, they're in great. In jam, right. Um, 
I don't know. I just, I've never been a fan. It's the skin, man. Like oranges. I've never understood why people think they're nice. They're properly rank. Oranges are nice. I like clementines or clementines, Uh. mandarins. (laughs) Like juice (gasps) and fine. Kumquats. Oh, yeah. I can live without those too. Oh, no. I like a mango. They're quite nice. Yeah, mangoes are nice. I like any fruit. Um, But yeah, I I mean, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe you'll convert me. I doubt it, but maybe. <laughs> but um, I was on the uh, Redaktionsnetwerk Deutschland and they had interviewed Professor Andreas uh, Matsarakis mm. from the Zentrum for Medicines Meteoro- M- Meteorologische. Meteorologische? That's really hard to say. It is. Um, Forschung des Deutschen Wetterdiensters, yeah. which is like the sort of the weather service, essentially. And he had some interesting ideas but this is the thing as i was thinking about how practical they actually are yeah and he's talking about people like myself who have a room on the top floor uh, underneath the roof oh. and how attic apartments are the worst and it reminded me of when our first apartment was an attic apartment and we couldn't basically be in it in the summer because it was too hot Shit. but it was talking he's talking about how like the high temperatures affect your sleep because it makes you kind of unable to sleep and makes you really tired mm. and it makes your sort of night's really uncomfortable and how that puts a strain on the body. And I felt that definitely last week. But one of the things he said was obviously like drink enough, exercise, mm-hmm. don't exercise too much and eat like healthy foods as you are clearly doing and I'm not. But he also said like things like good insulation were, were important, blah, blah, airing the house is, is recommended, but you should do it in the early morning, not in the uh, and in the late evening, but to like put your shutters down during the day to keep the rooms cool. And I was like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. But one of the things he talked about was cooling the bed sheets is also a good way to ensure a good night's sleep. How do you do and that? I was like, exactly. How do you cool the bed sheets? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Are we putting them in the fridge? Is that the plan? Um, I don't know. I don't know how you cool bed sheets. Cool the bed sheets? Did he say how? No. <laughs> No information. It's a bit, seemed a bit unfair, really. It's like throwaway comment. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you follow up on. Uh, that's the kind of thing I might actually practice, but I have no information to work with. No, I considered put like you know folding it up and putting it in the fridge, but eh. Have you ever put your shoes in the fridge? No, have in the you? Summer. Oh yeah, I used to do that when I was a student. Does it work? Yeah, I mean your feet are cold. Oh nice. <laughs> Like it works, it works to a certain extent. Yeah, you don't want your smelliest pair of shoes for sure, yeah, because that'll have a debilitating effect on your fridge. But um, that worked, and I, I have been known to put my underwear in the freezer, so for short periods of time. Do you want to useful. confess as to the years when this was in practice? I haven't done it in in at least a decade, so that gives you good a sense. to know. But when I did it, it was very refreshing. I'm very happy for you. How about ice and drinks? Is that something that you do? Because you can get like ice everywhere pretty easily. Do you put ice in your drinks? Do you get bags of ice and stuff from the uh, tanker store? No, no, I don't actually. Don't you have your own ice in the freezer? We have ice cube trays, but they run out pretty quickly when you're you're drinking cocktails. So I usually buy a couple of bags of ice and just bang them in there. Okay. And and then take, take advantage when I have the opportunity. So when I was a kid and I used to go to school in a very hot school van and be stuck in traffic for like four hours every day, 
I used to put a bottle of water in the freezer in the night and then in the morning, like it'll be like a block of ice. But beca- yeah. because it was Sri Lanka, it meant like I had like iced water throughout the day. That was good. Oh, wait, so it didn't fully melt until like the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. That's a good system. Very. That's a good yeah. system. I like the Victorian, is it Victorian or maybe the 18th century plan of like, just get like a block of ice and put it in your room. <laughs> And it just like that'll cool the room down. Just a big block of ice. So ah. maybe I need to dig an ice house into the garden if you dig down deep enough. Who's gonna carry? Like, um, I, I I don't think I can access the foot servants. You don't have foot servants. Oh well, uh, I mean that's a, an obvious problem. <laughs> that's that's a setback <laughs> in the grand scheme of ice. I'll be honest, I don't know where the foot servants come from, but I just ring a little bell and they appear and off they go to chop some. No, I mean, like, uh, I'd probably have to do that myself. And I'd probably give up after a week because it sounds like it might be a hard job. The effect seems seems like a, a good thing to go for. I can't imagine mopping up everything because the big <laughs> block of ice has to melt. Yeah, you're not just going to put it on the floor, Dilly. Come on. Oh, no. Be logical What here. are you telling me? So that they had, like, very special... Ice tables with a drain pipe. I don't know this, but I am going to type in Victorian ice table, right? And I'll be surprised if there isn't some kind of porcelain. Div- oh, yeah, we go <laughs> straight away. <laughs> First hit. <laughs> so, Victorian swivel seat ice cream table. Of course. Of course. So, there is some kind of system in place. But, um, yeah. That does not surprise me that there's some kind of ice device. Ice device. Oh, Did I, you, I do like the rhyme. It's a good one. <laughs> ice device. Victorian ice device. I'm sure we'll get something. Yeah, they had like they had like a metal container, or there'd be like a a cupboard of some description you could put your ice in. So uh, they knew what they were doing. Did them Victorians? They weren't pissing about. I think they were, but I'm, I'm but I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I fucking hate the, of all the periods of history. I fucking hate the Victorians. I think they're a bunch of absolute assholes. Yeah. Like, all the bad things about Britain come from the Victorians. Yeah. Scumbags all the bad things about Sri Lanka come also from your Victorians. It, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Bloody uh, really Puritans. does not surprise me. <laughs> I mean, don't blame me. I wasn't there. So last week we had a personal rule that we created before the show that we wouldn't mention a certain Bavarian politician from a certain right-leaning political party as they seem to come up a lot on the uh, on the podcast. And that went quite well, I think, just not talking about politics for a week. I felt quite refreshed afterwards, but I'm afraid, Dilly, we're going to have to delve back into the horrible world of German politics uh, this week because uh, there was a bit of a a political earthquake occurred over the weekend and it has been on everybody's uh, timelines, I'm sure. There's been a lot of discussion about it in the media and on television and every podcast I've listened to for the last three days has had uh, this topic. And this is the topic of the RFD winning a district election for the first time in their history in uh, a place called Sonnenberg in southern Thuringia. And this was, yeah, it was a political earthquake, uh, but it had been slightly telegraphed. Um, There had been predictions that this could very well happen, and Mm -hmm. the predictions were correct. And the RFD candidate, 
uh, Robert Stuhlman prevailed against this CDU competitor who was the acting district administrator, Jürgen Kupper. Uh, and this was actually a runoff election that had been won previously where there was no decisive winner. And uh, Robert Stuhlman got 52.8% to Jürgen Kupper's 47.2%. So uh, we did sort of leave this topic a couple of weeks ago with mm-hmm. the sense that things probably couldn't get worse. Do you think do you think things have got worse, Dilly? Is this a is this really a political earthquake? Is this something that was obviously going to happen? What do you think? I live in Sachsen-Anhalt, Nick. What do you think? Hey, I think you've got a unique perspective, <laughs> as I think is is what they would say. So, I mean, were you just like this is totally likely to happen? I'm not surprised. I think we knew that we were moving towards this. We've had polls. We've had projections. And every time someone says, look at this, Germany is opening up for immigrants, making it easier for people to find work, to live here before they find work. And on the other hand, we don't have the political environment for the people that we want to invite to the mm. country. Mm. It's It's been like watching a bloody car wreck. Yeah, it's it has been a bit like watching a slow motion car crash, like you could see mm-hmm. it coming. Mm-hmm. Like they were talking about this in January, I think when it became clear that there was going to be some kind of election. It's been difficult wrapping my head around this because uh, even if politically the IFD was not very strong, um, these sentiments and the fact that they existed gave legitimacy to uh, to a very um, uncharitable mean side, abusive mean side to some people. And now this victory is just further legitimizes misgivings and attacking people yeah i I think it's there's a lot this is always the my sort of key point is that i do think there's a tendency to go to panic mode before we do anything else and that was kind of kind of obvious at the weekend as soon as the results came in there was sort of panic panic but there's also been another side to this, which is that German desire to, we must understand this before we can do anything about it. We must think about it and stroke our chins and consider this and consider all the factors involved and uh, discuss it uh, on every talk show and in every newspaper and discuss it end to end on social media and like think about it carefully. Oh, how has this occurred? And it feels like like you should sort of know by now, right? You should know mm-hmm. why this is occurring. And it's kind of obnoxious when you have this. But then we're already in a process now where they're talking about elections in 2024 because you have Brandenburg, Saxon and Thuringian are going to have their elections next year for the Landtagswahl. Um, and those are all predicted to be states that might might flip or at least might the majority of voters might vote for the RFD. That doesn't necessarily mean they will get into government, but mm-hmm. it would be another shock to the system. And yeah. I think at least two of those states could very well see some kind of RFD presence. And the question obviously is then, what do you do when your sort of state or or your district elects RFD members? Because you've got this um, firewall is what they've they've called it right mm-hmm. they call it the the great firewall that they've they've been using to prevent yeah, any yeah. kind of yeah any kind collaboration. of collaboration collaboration yeah the brand mower yeah. the, 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 they they keep discussing and how 
that will be the thing that as long as we don't collaborate with the RFD, then they can't actually get into power because they're not going to yeah. get a majority vote. But this particular district election had some complications to it for the simple fact that the numbers don't really work for the RFD, but they still have to run the district. So the RFD currently in this particular district have uh, nine seats in the district administration, but the mm -hmm. CDU hold 40. And in order for the RFD to do anything, they would need the support of the CDU. Yeah. But it's also, I think if I'm right, would be illegal for the CDU to withhold their, their kind of, not necessarily support, but to just mm -hmm. down tools and say, we're not going to work with them, which would be effectively like them going on strike. And I think mm. that's, there's some kind of leg legality issue around that that was part of the discussion. So we could actually see the CDU forced to work with the RFD district administrator, who is basically the district administrator is like a mayor, but instead mm -hmm. of for a town or a city, it's for um, a collection of towns and villages. Um, do you mean to say that the CDU can then sabotage without saying they want to sabotage? I don't think it's that simple. I think... Well, that, that, th this is why it gets so complicated, and this is mm. why this this maybe not a political earthquake, but it is. It outlines the 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 threat that the RFD pose, because for the RFD, this is as far as I can see, it's a win win, right? Either they uh, they've won this election, they've now got mm. this victory that they can tout and sort of wave as a banner to people and say we can be successful. Look, we can be successful. And I think that is psychologically important to a lot of voters where they look credible, they look like they could get into power. And so that's one side of it. The other side of it is that they take over this district and they, this is one of the poorest districts in Germany. They take mm. it over and they implement all these policies that have been saying they're mm. going to implement and they're so successful and the whole place is rejuvenated and that's a win. Or mm. even if they don't and they introduce all their policies and they fail, they can turn mm. around and go, well, it's not our fault. We were prevented from doing, doing the yeah. things we really wanted. So the yeah. CDU are kind of caught in, in the middle here where it's like either they help and are yeah. seen to be helping the RFD, which legitimizes the RFD, and then also makes some CDU sympathizers of the RFD go, well, we've done it already, so why, not, why don't we do it again? Um, imagine a situation where the polls follow and we have the CDU get 35% in a national election, the RFD get 20%. And then you've, and no one's, no one's going to work with the CDU. What do the RFD yeah. and CDU do? Like you, then you have the, the voices very loud for let's, we, we've done it. We've done it here. So why not anywhere? Why not at national level? So that, that's the real conundrum or the CDU don't support the RFD and then get blamed for failing the district. So like it's it really is a rock in a hard place. Um, I think. And also, like, if the IFD is successful, um, yeah, as you said, so they implement the policies with the CDU, mm. and the CDU supports it. And then they do such good work, and nobody's going to think the CDU, I mean, then the IFD is going to get the credit. Well, that's it, yeah. And they will as well, because they're noisy. They're much kind of more um, savvy when it comes to their campaigning. And, yeah. then, and it, must, it must be mentioned as well that they campaigned mostly on national issues. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. it wasn't like they had a plan for the district, mm. and it wasn't like they talked. Maybe they do, but they didn't talk about it. It was all about national issues. It was like gender, and and it was about heat pumps, and it was about all this other crap yeah. that we've been fussing over for the last 
year or so. But they think it's relevant everywhere nationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's and that's the other side of it. It's shown that that's successful. If you just ignore the actual problems and campaign on the culture war topics, yeah, yeah, then you can win an election, which isn't great information for the CDU because yeah. the CDU is already doing that, and it might just inspire them to do it even more. It's a pretty clever campaign, isn't it? When you think about it, because you have everyone else painted as the big bad wolves. So you have, you know, don't touch my food, don't touch my freedom, don't touch myself. We want security. It's a lot of don'ts and going a step further than fear mongering um, as a term. It's it's painting, you know, you paint yourself into a corner and everyone else is just wrong. And this is Mm -hmm. very different to the other campaigns because the other campaigns don't address uh, the other parties as such. The IFD involves everyone in it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the challenge for the CDU is, and for any party really, is like, how do you react? And that's been a lot of the discussion. It's like, well, what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's not been great sort of listening to, certainly the CDU have been, forced to react more and interestingly since sort of two weeks ago the cdu had their conference on that sunday and they had the incident where the former olympic um, ice skater speed skater gave a speech that was quite well it was a fucking shit speech which mertz called brilliant uh, which kind of shows his questionable judgment on on these things but um it was a very kind of culture war speech um, about the fear of migrants that women and old people have on buses, and just it was like it was like some it was something out of the nineteen thirties, but that was delivered by a police chief in a who is a former Olympic speed skater mm. who was wearing a uniform, and that yeah. and sh- since she's a government employee, that's actually not it's just not the done thing. Whether it's illegal yeah. or not is still unclear to me because it's it's it was there was arguments to and fro, but mm. like to represent a political position while wearing. Uh, the uniform of of a state rep or like a, a national mm. representative seems like ridiculous. So the the CDU got kicked back last week as the mm. sort of ramifications of that happened, and then you have this, and the CDU then have gone, well, what do we do about it? And it was quite clear, literally moments after the uh, election results came in in Turingia, that the defeated CDU uh, representative Jurgen Kupper. Uh, literally just blamed the traffic light coalition for defeat and he was like oh "Oh, this is all it was all the coalition's fault thank you coalition or something like that and said it was all their fault and that that i find is ridiculous it's like you can't win on that front because you don't even look like you can you can understand what's happening so it turns off anyone who wants to work with you but over more than that it it just makes you look petty and it makes you you don't understand why you've lost so that was that was his position. But then Mertz came out on Monday and said, we just need to go harder against the Greens. And it's like, no, like, just have better policies. Have yeah. better policies. And if you don't have better policies, you, you lose the election. It's as simple as that. Like, the, the, the culture war thing is kind of like, it's like Nandrolo and it's like political, like, drugging, essentially. Mm-hmm. You create this argument that doesn't exist, that incites people hits their basest reactions mm-hmm. and it isn't actually address any of their problems doesn't address any of their issues mm-hmm. and it is effectively trumpian yeah because like the, the we do have to change and we do have to and i think this is something producer simon and i were talking about yesterday which mm. is like like you do we're gonna have to accept that th- some things need to change because 
like we've already gone through all these heat waves. We've talked about the Rhine drying up, so we can't actually mm -hmm. get stuff transported. Like it's obvious the effects of climate change are happening. We're seeing refugees coming because of climate change. So we're going to see more refugees, mm -hmm. which only incites people more. We need the sensible policies to address the problems. Mm -hmm. You can't just stand still and go, no, 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 I don't like this. Like if they don't like the policy, they can't just go, well, we don't disagree with the policy. We think it's being done incorrectly or we like most of the policy but it's like well either you like it or you don't mm. and you can't just go we like the policy but we would have done it better it's a shit argument it just looks you makes you look petty they need to have better arguments and the government needs to be better it needs to look less like a bunch of squabbling kids and as much as i like the greens and i'm still inclined to vote for them yeah. i'm a bit sick of them walking into bear traps at every turn like, yeah. It just seems like they're just really naive about what they're being confronted yeah. with. Yeah. I, I'm also thinking that you have uh, the CDU, CSO, the Greens, and you have these parties against the IFJ, and you think that there is dissent among themselves, but also some kind of agreement in what to do and what not to do so that the IFJ doesn't come to power. But then what people see, like the unmentionable people, <laughs> think that, uh, well, you know, these people get votes on this kind of rhetoric. We would like to join the rhetoric because that would give us votes. But but what they don't realize or maybe do is that they give publicity. I mean, they're like, I mean, Mertz, for instance. I mean, the way he talks, he may as well be betting for the IFD. I mean, I would expect them to be united in not adding more fuel to the fire that is the IFD. But that's not happening. Yeah, well, that's it. It's it, you sort of, you use that rhetoric and it only fertilizes everybody, yeah. everybody else's kind of arguments and, yeah. and, and after the arguments especially. And the, my problem is the introduction of a lot of blokey ego in the politics um, mm -hmm. after Merkel mm. left office. I'll, honestly, I still look at Mertz and I'm like, why do you want to be, why do you want to be chancellor? Other than it, like, you weren't allowed to be chancellor last time when you were out outflanked by Angela Merkel and mm -hmm. you you're bitter about it and you want to prove you're a winner and it's like I don't think that's enough of a reason like because you don't seem to have a vision like I, the, the greens may have a vision I don't necessarily agree with it wholesale but they do yeah. have a vision for what they want yeah. I think even Lindner has a vision but he's also a fucking egotist and I think he doesn't want to be the politician that killed the FDP and I think he, as an individual, is a problem. I think he's a great orator. I think he's got good things to say. Mm. And I think he's he's whip smart. But mm. I think he's also, he likes the smell of his own farts, as we say in the UK. <laughs> he likes it too much. And the problem I think I see in the SPD is like, what are they? Like, I don't think Scholz yeah. is particularly egotistical, yeah. but he's like a nothing burger. He's like a, a fucking wet towel, you know? Like, yeah. what, is he, what does he believe in? He's just constantly silent and doesn't like you... You saw as well when he was attacked a few weeks ago by protesters. I mean, not attacked, but like verbally attacked. Mm. And they were shouting him down about the war. And he got really animated. And I was like, where's that fucking Schultz, man? Get him on the campaign trail. Get his, that animated guy like speaking to the public. But it's what people want to hear. But if it's all just mousy-mousy, and it's all just like, oh, well, what do we do? Oh, what do we do about the RFD? You know, oh, ooh. And it's all just divided. You need some leadership somewhere. And um, I think also the thing that I've noticed is 
you might not have seen this. That they've put um, Alice Vidal, the the one of the yes. is she the co-leader? I think she's co-leader still of the RFD in the in the in the Bundestag. They put her her mug on the um, front of the uh, Stern magazine, which is one yeah. of the big publications in yeah. uh, in Germany. And they've had an interview with her, and the, the, I think the the strap line was like, uh, "What else do you have to offer than hate?" Yeah. And um, a lot of people were like, "You can't do this. It normalizes a. It normalizes the RFD." And I'm like, yeah. "I understand that argument, but if you're going to argue about ideas, you, you're going to have to actually argue ideas. You're going to have to hope that the journalists are are going to be rugged and tough and not like cop out, because that's what I saw. Like, if we're talking about fighting the the far right or fighting yeah. the right wing, yeah, it's what the BBC did. The BBC failed Britain." In, uh, during Brexit, and f- certainly for the for uh, the longest time, because a lot of the journalists would just be like, "We're going to have a debate," and here's Nigel Farage, <laughs> and here's a uh, economics advisor for the EU who has like multiple degrees and has been wor- is, a, is is like understands everything about economics, and they're going to debate, and Nigel Farage would say some utter garbage, and the BBC like presenter would go, "Uh huh." And now what do you say? And then the economics minister go, well, it's rubbish. It's ridiculous. There's no evidence for it. And and it would just be like, they were the same. Like, oh, their yeah. positions are the same. Yeah. And you actually need someone to go, you're talking shit. That sounds ridiculous. You got any evidence for that? Like actually go for them. And I think that's where you've got to hope that your journalists and your, your TV presenters have the fucking yeah. bollocks to do it. And I think it's the only way you're going to, you, I think I think you're not going to reclaim a lot of these RFD voters, but you can get the swing voters. And I think the strategy of shame that we've been hoping will work for the last decade of RFD existence, which is like, I'm ashamed if I vote for the RFD. I won't tell anyone I vote for the RFD. The pandemic seems to have destroyed any shame that anyone has. And all the, the sort of lunatic covered deniers and conspiracy theorists and QAnon fucking weirdos they're they're all like shifting that direction and you've got people who are like probably would have voted green but now think Robert Harbeck's a lizard man um they're gonna shift as well and and it's not about protest votes anymore it's about like you've actually got to fucking get on on the um stage and argue your point and argue it with facts and the journalists have actually got to hold people to account and i think yeah i think stern to a certain extent did but then there were i think if i'm right they asked about a favorite book or some shit and i'm like that's humanizing her that's like pretending that she's not a fucking vile scumbag favorite book i don't give a fuck what book she reads like because let's be honest it's probably not the book she said it's probably a book that was published in or around like the 1920s by a particular political leader who will remain <laughs> lameless but like let's like that's the truth of it and it's probably it, on it's a like, nightstand yeah and anyway i mean uh, that's policy for me anyway i don't give a shit what fucking politicians read i don't care i don't need them to be people i need them to do the fucking jobs properly what you just did is like point out the role that the media and journalists play in elections when we have uh, like very obvious left-wing center right-wing policies and politicians and you think like uh, and like what the journalists do is just having democracy eat itself starting with its own insights kind of thing ah we have to be fair we have to show we have to like give everyone the platform i mean these choices also go a long way right 
Well, I, I don't like the CDU, but I don't think they're anti-constitutional. But like, let's yeah. the AfD's been yeah. investigated how many times by the by the Verfassung shirts. Yeah. Like they're constantly being investigated. <laughs> Bjorn Hooker, one of their leaders in Turingia, is is constantly being investigated. I think if I'm right, he's being investigated now for potentially using an SA slogan, who were the the sort of the stormtroopers of the National Socialists in the early years of of, oh, of their their origin story. And he's been accused, and I think he's being investigated for having used one of their slogans in the campaign. And you're like, these people, like, this isn't a normal party, and we can't pretend it's normal. Yeah. And we, the, yeah. the, the gloves should be off. And if the, like, the, then the media also has to play a careful game of not just yeah. looking like they're picking on them. But we've had Cumex scandals, we've had COVID protective equipment scandals, yeah. and we've had wire card scandals. And I'm like, right, get the investigative journalists looking at what the AfD are doing, because if you're telling me they're not, there's not some rottenness going on in the state of Turingia, then I'll be amazed. Like, that's the truth. Like, what are they up to? What are they doing in the background? I don't believe that that's smart, that they can't find out what's like what they've been up to, because I just do not believe it for a second. So Dilly, we've not really talked about football in, I don't know, many, many months. And I've been trying to- Really, AFD and football, one after the other? How many punches am I supposed to take, Nick? Well, yeah, I know. Well, I thought, like, given your dislike for discussing football, you are aware that next year is the uh, the European Championships, or rather the uh, Europa Meisterschaft, Zweitausend, no. Wir und Zwanzig. And it is, of course, in Germany. So you, you, and what, I, what I was thinking is, I need to train you up, Dilly. You like asked me if I am aware of this, and no, I'm not. Why would I be aware of it? Well, I mean... It's kind of shocking that you're not, but now you have become aware of it. Um, my feeling is I'm going to need to sort of build up your tolerance for football because by the time it starts... The awareness has been forced upon me. Let me state uh, that on record. Well, have you ever seen have you ever, have you ever seen one of those films where there's like someone who isn't, who's, who's unlikely to become a sports star and then they go, they go through a lot of training montages and become like a... I don't know, a UFC fighter or a basketball player or something. That's no. the kind of what we're going to do on the podcast. No, I have not seen films like that. You might how, want to stop there. You, <laughs> how have you never seen any of these? you never seen Air Bud? No. Where the, where the, where the dog learns to play basketball? <laughs> no, I don't watch for sports films. Well, what's well, the last sports film I have watched? I think it's the one with Clint Eastwood and 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 uh, the whole... Yeah, the million dollar... Million Dollar Boxer? Million Dollar Baby, I believe it's called. The Million Dollar Baby. Is it Hilary Swank or Hilary Swank? Uh, it's Hilary Swank, but I like it when you say swank. So, um, <laughs> it's Swank. Okay. <laughs> Producer but, Simon is deeply hurt. But in, in, in the style, he's a big Hilary Swank fan. What can you say? Um, big poster on the wall in the background. Um, oh, yeah. I can confirm. <laughs> what we uh what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna um i'm gonna essentially inoculate you that you better understand it and as a vaccine kind of metaphor right i'm gonna inoculate you against uh sort of hatred of football by slowly introducing football like topics but from an angle in which you can better perceive them and, I, and i'm going to start today with the discussion about the new mascot that was released last week who will represent the Europa Meisterschaft 2020 in Deutschland. 
and it is a a bear. And if you click the link in the notes, Dilly, you'll get a good look at what this uh, mascot looks like. So if you go to the the bottom link, even if you just click on it, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I want you to give me your impression of what this mascot looks like. It's the color of a healthy stool sample. But it's the bear, right? You can see the bear yeah, hole in the cup. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's going to be the mascot. Okay. What do you think, Dilly? What do you think of the mascot? It has like a blue uniform and like three hairs on top of its head. Or three fingers. The the hand, the extra hand on top of its head. And, and it's got quite a jazzy football top with the number 24, obviously, for uh, 2024. It has the number 24 and uh, it has like knee-length socks mm-hmm. over sneakers. It's holding an urn. Well, no, that's not an urn. That is the European Championship <laughs> Trophy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's a bare funeral. Things can happen. <laughs> oh, God, this is going to be much harder than I thought. This it is going to like be a process. Would you, are you no, going to I like argue? It. I like it, Diddy. I like your innocence. Is is hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, it's innocence. Go with that. Yeah, so this is the mascot. Uh, The mascot pays tribute, says UEFA, to the popular teddy bear, which is believed to have been born in Germany at the beginning of the 20th century. So uh, that is the reason UEFA has chosen this particular uh, mascot. Can I interrupt, Nick, to say that Germany choosing a bear for any sort of mascot is a little hypocritical, given the fact that the last bear to ever come within the borders of Germany was just shot dead. While it was searching for food, and it was called Problem Bear. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, and Marcus Soda, our friend of the show, he's already said like we maybe need to think about getting a. Uh, uh, we need to think about what we do when a, if bears come in, and we should, we should be allowed to shoot them and things like this. So um, it is a curious choice. Also, equally curious is it doesn't have a name. Dilly does not have a name, and. There is a selection of names that have been suggested, which will be voted on by the kids who are in the UEFA school football program. And all fans can also vote on the names. And there's four names being touted. One of them is Albert, spelled the German spelling for bear, being B-A-M-R, so the A umlauts. There's Bernardo, which is this (laughs) Bernardo. So it's the same spelling again of the B-A with umlauts R. Uh, Bernhardt is the other one. And finally, we have Hitzi von Bear. Uh, these are the four options that are up for grabs. Uh, do you like those names? Is there a name there that jumps out to you that you're like, that's the name I would give this bear? I can say that I'm not for the fourth name. Can you repeat it, please? It's Hitzi von Bear. Hitzi von Bear. So that is V-O-N. V-O-N. Like the... So he's a, he's a, a minor gentry, I guess. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm not for aristocracy. We can do away with that. A uh, died in the world socialist. You're totally against this. <laughs> um, I think it's creative. Albert. Um, I think that's very creative. Why has it got to be a boy? That's a good question. Why does it have to be a boy? Maybe just because we live in a German patriarchy and it's a men's tournament, maybe. That's why it has to be a man. And maybe that, maybe it's just just that reason. Alberta. I would like Alberta. Let's let's be honest. I mean, UEFA isn't exactly renowned for its forward thinking about pretty much anything. So Beatrice. 
I think you that would be nice. Beatrice. Oh, I mean, these are all good <laughs> options. I mean, uh, in contrast, uh, the last tournament to be held in Germany was the 2006 World Cup. And the mascot at that time was, was a, a full-grown plush lion called Golio. And he wasn't wearing any pants. And my God, that was a debate for the ages. Was people discussing, why doesn't this lion have pants? It's disgraceful. Beer bock. Beer bock. That's, That's not going to go well. It's great. It's very good. But I can't see it happening. Luckily, though, if you don't like those names, the satirical website Postillion has some alternative suggestions, Dilly, and I'm going to read them and you can tell me which ones you'd like. Because mm -hmm. there is, frankly, some goddamn gold in this, in this article. Is frankly one the, of them? Um, no, uh, sadly not. I will, I will put the, uh, the link to this, particular, um, okay. to this particular article. Actually, the votes are already in for, for what people think the name should be so far. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll, I'll do them from, from last to first, right? So the, the last one with 155 votes was Bear, Bear, Bear. <laughs> Bear, 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 bear. Yeah. Um, and that only got 0.5% of the vote. Coming uh, just after that with two. Who voted for votes, the election? The shelf? Just anyone, anyone who looked at the Postillion article. I know which one I voted for, and you can guess which one I voted for as we go through, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, the next uh, up from that is with 0.669% uh, of the votes, 240 votes in total. Fifi. <laughs> Not great. The next one is almost impossible to actually pronounce because it's just a collection of uh, consonants. Uh, this got 0.78%, 240 votes. And it's Pritzschmutz, I think would be the best pronunciation of it. Um, yeah. Don't ask me to say it again. It was rather difficult to say. Next up from that with 0.84% vote, ball, ball burner, ball burner. Burner, I guess, is like the pear burner. Um, not great. Moving quickly mm -hmm. on. We had Go Leo 2, which got 1.22%. No. Um, and now we start getting into the really solid names, right? Mm -hmm. So the next one was Professor Dr. Fussbert von Bollhausen. <laughs> oh, good. He sounds like someone who's going to be accused of plagiarism in five days. Potentially, I mean, imagine that the EM mascot gets done for plagiarism. Uh, he plagiarized his thesis. Uh, that got one point three three percent of the vote. A bear, just bear, got one point five one percent of the vote. Hazi got one point five three percent of the vote. Um, with two point one one percent of the vote, we had Edeltraub Giesman. <laughs> just let me backtrack. So they actually named a bear the rabbit. Okay. No, no, they didn't. That was one of the options. It didn't win. It got 471 mm -hmm. votes, but it didn't win. But Edeltrop Giesman, I think, is a great one. But we're just slowly dispensing the crappy names, and now we're getting into the real solid gold names. 740 votes. You promised votes. me that one minute ago. Edeltrop Giesman is great. I don't know why you don't like that. Um, this is 2.4% of the vote. 740 votes. Cocaine Too bad bear. you've named your child Stop already. talking over me, woman. <laughs> 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 Your newborn child, you've named them already, too bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so with 2.4% of the votes, cocaine bear. Do you want me to say something? I mean, I mean, okay, it's not great, but uh, you might like this one. You like herbs, don't you, Dilly? We've, I like we've herbs. established this. You're a herby type of person. You're into your garden and you're growing of vegetables. This got 2.98% of the votes. Bear lauch. <laughs> bear lauch. That's a good one. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I knew I'd, I'd get you eventually. I'd get you eventually. Yeah, yeah. You'll enjoy football if it kills me. 3.3% of the votes, 1,026 votes in total. Angela Berkel. <laughs> I like that. See, why do we have just, just male names? Like boy names for this stuff. Angela Berkel. Go for it. Um, 3.86% uh, of the vote. Kein Halsbärchen. Okay, that's no. a sentence. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, this one might turn you back to the joy. 4.19%. Uh, Berlusconi. Berlusconi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my faith in German humor is restored. This one is um, amazingly one that, that Dilly basically predicted only moments ago. 4.56% of the vote. Problem bear Bruno. <laughs> that is, that was Bruno. Yeah, yeah, you kill the one live bear that comes into your garden and then you create a bloody mascot of it. I, I think it would be funny if they had chosen this. 4.68% of the vote, Kleiner Timmy. Didn't like that one. This one is admittedly very good. 5.09% of the vote. Eva Brown Bear. <laughs> Eva Brown Bear. Okay. <laughs> Am I missing the reference here? The, the joke is that was Adolf Hitler's girlfriend slash wife. <gasps> Fudge. Okay. See? <laughs> so it's probably not. This one you definitely won't get, but I'm sure... So the urn thing was real. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. Um, this one uh, we, we got uh, 1,940 votes, 6.29% of the votes. Bad Muller, de Bomber de Nation. <laughs> a play on, of course, the, the der Bomber, um, Gerd Muller, uh, the great, great German footballer. Um, we've got 6.4% of the vote. Bermer Pumper, Berm Pumper. Okay. Warm Pumper. Uh, Beating yeah, the heat um, we got um, 7.38% of the vote. This is in the top four. Bear Stecklich. Mm -hmm. No? Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't really get it either. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's, mm -hmm. there's something we're missing here. Uh, number three, we had 7.93% of the vote. Arschlock. <laughs> God, I love you, Germany. What a great one. And these two might be two of the finest bits of German comedy that have ever been put pen to paper. This is just genius right so 10.42 percent of the vote and you remember you need to predict which one i would have voted for 10.42 mm -hmm. percent of the vote mandrakor zestura der welten und vernichter von galaxien what is with the funds <laughs> so it's mandrakor it's mandrakor i think the destroyer of worlds and conqueror of galaxies i think is the is the uh um the terminology and number one with 19.96% of the vote. 1996, a good year for English football up until the semi-finals. It was Stadtlich Geprüftes Unoffiziell von der Bundesregierung Anerkentes und Zugelessenes Maskottchen der Fußball-Europameisterschaft 2024. You voted for that. Of course I did. I knew I it. Look at your face. That's You're great. Oh, it's so good. Ah, oh, Germany, uh, Postilion just knocked it out the park, folks. Knocked it out the park. Mm -hmm. 
that brings us to the end of the show. We are off to shoot the EM 2024 mascot, but only because he came into Dilly's garden. Why am I talking about myself in the third person? Oh, well, because I forced you to say that because it's <laughs> funny. Damn you, bear! Stop eating her bear lauk! Anyway, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dillyalgama, and you can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on DecadesFromHome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis some next month. Cheers! Cheers.